Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Game Over Montreal. I am once again filling in as host for Andrew Berkshire, who, of course, is, you know, just taking his weekends off and uh, (laughs) trying to focus on Olympic coverage on top of his, you know, normal day to day duties with the show. But uh, it's been a blast uh, hosting yesterday and now today's edition of Game Over. Just wish the Canadians would have at least won a game. It would be fun to say we would be doing this broadcast for uh, Martin St. Louis' uh, first ever coaching victory. Uh, but alas, uh, the Buffalo Sabres get the best of the Montreal Canadiens, a 5-3 score. Uh, Jeff Skinner scoring four times against the Montreal Canadiens. He, he out early by himself. Uh, joining me on this Sunday afternoon, Super Bowl Sunday, Andrew Cohen, the senior editor of the Marshall Project and fellow at the Brennan Center. You may have come across his work in the Atlantic or for CBS. And Dwayne Steinel, uh, the host of the podcast, Two Goalies, One Mike, and of course, uh, a big Buffalo Sabres fan. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Um, I want let, to let's get our first takeaways of this game out the way. Dwayne, I want to start with you, man. Uh, obviously, coming from the Buffalo Sabres perspective, your takeaways from the game. But if you can, just kind of add a little Canadians flavor if you can. Well, um, you know, watching from start to finish, that was probably one of the better first periods I've seen from this team in a while. Pressuring the puck in the offensive zone. I mean, I think you kind of said it in the broadcast uh right off the bat, like halfway through, uh, they had them, they had Montreal playing with not a lot of confidence. Like they just were very skirmish with the puck. Um, the four check was really on par and um, just seeing, just seeing Buffalo really just take it to them to start off the period. That's not something we've grown accustomed to in Buffalo, that slow starts inconsistencies. I'd say with maybe a, about 10 minutes in the second, the start of the third, this is probably one of the more complete games Buffalo's played all year. And I, I just love I love seeing Jeff Skinner score just because a the smile and b I think Ralph Kruger has a mini stroke every time Jeff Skinner does anything <laughs> because it's just that that guy was in, in the doghouse for two years here and you know um, was essentially told that you know your job isn't to score goals it's your job is to play defense and he was buried on a fourth in a fourth line role for almost two seasons and to see him playing this well on a sixty point pace without Jack Eichel. Um, it's a really big breath of fresh air here in Buffalo. Especially Andrew, what about you? Well, listen, at least they're losing with dignity, which is better than losing without dignity, which is what we had before uh, Martin Saint-Louis became the coach. But they're still losing. They lost to a good team in Washington. They lost to a mediocre team yesterday in Columbus. And now they've lost to a, a poor team in Buffalo. Uh, I like to see the effort. I'm glad that they're working hard. You see it, especially, I think, in the forwards, right? A little bit more jam. Paling had a good game. I'd like to see more from Gallagher. I'd like to see more from Anderson. Uh, Byron got an assist. I guess nine players got assists or points in the game. So that's a good thing. But as long as you have defensive turnovers the way you have them, focusing mostly on poor Jeff Petrie, you're going to have a bad result. So, you know, to me, this shows that you can blame the coach. uh, But at the end of the day, this is a bad hockey team, the Montreal Canadiens. They're unable to beat other bad hockey teams, even at home, even with the last line change. And we'll have to, to see what happens here. But uh, if it's going to be like this for the next 35 games, at least you feel like they're competitive. At least you feel like they're trying and there's some passion. And those were things that clearly were missing in the last you know, 10 games or so of the uh, Dominic Ducharme era. Andrew, you have it right. But I think it's really interesting that 
that viewpoint comes out. You're absolutely right. But had the Canadians won this afternoon, the tune we'd be singing is not only did they get the win, but they got contributions from players who the team has been dying on having contributions from. Mike Hoffman scores is like, I think it's like for third goal in 10 games, but that's a guy who many fans have been asking for him to score even more. Uh, Jeff Petrie, who uh, on yesterday's broadcast, we were describing him as a scapegoat for the penalty he takes before the end of the game. He scores a game-tying goal for the Canadians today. And and then Joel Armia, who I don't think he's gotten enough criticism. He hasn't played in 18, he hadn't scored in 18 games. Yeah, Joel Armia, I think like a lot of people have, have given flack to to Jeff Petrie, but Yoel Armia signed a contract in the offseason, and there are games where he is completely invisible. He showed up and he scored. Yeah. Uh, and if it weren't for Jeff Skidder and the Buffalo Sabres, we'd be looking at the Canadians a little bit differently. And you're right, other guys like uh, Corey Schooneman and Ryan Paling also contributing assists as well. I don't know. I mean, you're right. They're, they're losing with dignity, but I will give them this. A lot of people who uh, on the Montreal Canadiens were called on to step up at different points in the year and didn't step up. In some bursts, like they they did at least step up, Andrew. Yeah, they played better. They're playing better. There's no doubt that Martin Saint Louis, by freeing them up from the system, uh, has uh, uh, allowed them to have a little bit more jam. But you could also say that you know if this is the level, um, Mark Bergevin uh, didn't construct a team that's capable of competing at the highest levels or even competing with the likes of the Buffalo Sabres and the Columbus Blue Jackets. No offense to, to both of those teams. Buffalo, it seems to me, is a year or two ahead of the Canadians, sort of on its way back up um, with a core of young players that I think the Canadians would love to have and which the Canadians, quite frankly, had before they lost uh, Kokanyemi to to uh, to the Hurricane, right? So you would have had a core there with, uh, with uh, Suzuki and with Caulfield and so forth. That core were sort of... Um, interrupted, uh, you could say, and it's going to take another year or two to get it back. But no, I, listen, I, I they were unwatchable uh, even before the officials started to, around the team started saying that they were unwatchable and media uh, people started saying they were unwatchable. They've been unwatchable for most of the season. So I'm pleased that at least they're showing an effort. Um, I'm sure that the GM is pleased. I'm sure that Gordon is pleased. I'm sure that the, the coach is pleased. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Because it doesn't get easier from here, right? They're going to be on the road, I think. Uh, one more game, right? And then they're on a, a road one trip. One more at home, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, they're going to be faced with hostility uh, on these road games that they haven't been facing in the last uh, couple of weeks. And it's not going to make it any easier. And I think the free fall continues. The one question I have after this weekend you have now till Thursday, I believe, right, is the next game. So is is now the time where you're going to make some moves and get rid of some of these veterans? Uh, maybe uh, uh, sell a little earlier than you would like just to, to change things up? I, I would like to think so because clearly this group uh, is uh, is not going to get it done. You might as well take a look at some of the young players, including Josh Brook, who I like, who's at uh, Laval, who just started back. He, a couple of years ago, was touted as a potential NHLer. I'd love to see him make it into the line, but at some point, uh, taking the place of Sherrod or Petrie or whoever else gets dealt. Okay, we'll stop you there, because uh, one topic I do want to discuss, just before the game, Ben Sherrod uh, put on injured reserve, uh, twisted his ankle against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll get to other stuff as well in the podcast as well. With uh, I want to definitely ask some questions to uh, Dwayne about Don Granato and 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 his thoughts on Martin St. Louis coming in. I do want to get to Ben Trot first, though. 
your reaction, knowing all the trade chatter that has gone around with Ben Sherratt when you heard he was placed when he was placed on injured reserve earlier this afternoon. We'll get to Andrew and then Dwayne. You can give your thoughts. Well, if you felt normally about the medical staff, if you had confidence in the reports from the medical staff on a team, uh, you would get this report. You would hear the reporter saying it's not a big deal. They expect him back. I heard on the broadcast today that somebody said that uh, had it been the playoffs, he would be playing. So it's not that serious. Um, mm. I, I'd feel fine with it. They're gonna they're they're better safe than sorry. He is a valuable commodity. Uh, he's surely to be dealt in the next month. So why why worry and why make it worse uh, by exacerbating an injury? But this team has had a terrible recent history of medical diagnoses go- gone wrong, right? We saw it, we're seeing it now with Dvor- Dvorak, uh, who was supposed to come back and didn't. Uh, we've seen it with Carey Price. We've seen it with uh, Joel Edmondson. So I- I'm a little worried that this staff is either uh, unable or unwilling to really share the details of these injuries. Uh, if I don't have to worry, then great. Uh, let Sherrod have a week off uh, and maybe he gets dealt with when that week is over. Maybe they decide they don't want to risk it. Uh, but they have to be able to move him. They have to get an asset or two back for him, especially given his value. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Uh, and again, um, the defense is just awful. Uh, it's been awful now through two coaches. It's been awful now really for three coaches. And uh, they're going to have to make some changes uh, on the back end. And hopefully that starts with the trade deadline. Yeah, Drew, what about you? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm actually very interested to see what I think a lot of the league is being focused on Montreal come trade deadline because you guys do have a lot of pieces that I think are going to be shipped out. Ben Chariot being one, um, the hiring of Martin St. Louis um, in terms of in here, here in Buffalo, I kind of compared it and you'll know, stay with me on this. When the of Buffalo course. bills went and signed Terrell Owens, it was a, a it was a move that really got the fan base like off their seats. It's like, Holy, sh- Holy crap. You know, like, you know, it's, it's T.O. T.O. is in Buffalo. We never thought in a world he wasn't even, he wasn't even close to our minds the, the day he signed with the bills. Um, same thing with Taylor Hall. We never thought we'd ever be in on Taylor Hall. Now it was so out of sight, out of mind. And now I didn't realize Martin St. Louis was even the conversation to be a head coach in the NHL, let alone, I didn't even think it, it, it's, I think as, as extensive as coaching goes for AAA hockey, right? That was just about it. Like, but he, yeah. but like not just like like grown men playing AAA. Like he was coaching like yeah. pee wee kids. Yeah, kids. Yeah, that's that's it. So I didn't even realize who's the conversation. So when I look at it, it's like their season's kind of not kind of it's lost. Um, you know, and what could it hurt to bring a guy like him, a Hall of Famer, who, in my opinion, another thing in my opinion is I look at him and I think of Cole Caulfield and how much this could do for his game because they're essentially the same guy. You know, have the same types of struggles, uh, have to fight the same kind of battles. St. Louis did it through his entire career and became a Hall of Famer. And, you know, I, I look at a guy like Cole Caulfield and I think, wow, man, like if this works out, man, that could really help you know, get that kid to the next level. I, I'm excited to see, I've been excited to see what he can do for him. And it's really, you know, if it doesn't work out, I mean, at least you tried something different, right? You know, I, uh, and, and it, again, it gets fans engaged. So for me, that's the way I looked at it, you know, in a season that's lost, I think, you know, that keeps your fans engaged. It gets them talking in a positive way for the most part. And, you know, if it works out, you know, maybe you look like geniuses. 
Who knows? Andrew, I'd like your thoughts as well. And after that, I'm going to ask you a follow-up to your thoughts, Dwayne. Okay. Sure. On uh, Martin Saint-Louis, yeah, listen, he may w- succeed or he may fail. Um, but I, I love the, the idea of this team, finally, the, the management going outside the box and not just resuscitating some old coach or, or, or somebody with, with old tired ideas. Um, obviously he's been a success at every level he's competed at. <clears throat> he's had to overcome a lot of obstacles. He's able to impart that on the team. You can see it already. So I think it's, it's a, an in indication of ma- new management's willingness to bring in new people into an organization that really, really needs new people. I, I was struck this week. There was a comment that Kent Hughes made, I think to Eric Engels in a piece where he was very blunt in saying, you know, I- I've been really busy because I have to try to um, recreate a, a player development uh, a staff that doesn't really exist. And, uh, you know, a numbers, a data, an analytical uh, department that does not exist on this team. And the more you hear these guys, Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes, uh, talk about the destruction they're sort of facing, the debris that's left over, the more you question this Bergeron era. And, you know, you, the more you say, well, wait a minute, if it was this bad, um, if there were so many structural problems within this organization, if there were so fewer employees than they really needed in player development, in analytics and so forth, um, how did Jeff Molson allow it to go on for so long? So I think Martin St. Louis is, is, is a, a breath of fresh air. I'm rooting for him. I, I like what I've seen so far. It'll be interesting to see if he is able to overcome the next two months, which is going to have more losing in the next two months than he's probably had in his whole career. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets another chance, if he's willing to have another chance next season and what the team looks like. I, I would love to be able to have the organization give him some tools, take away some of the, the, the deadwood from this team. And there's plenty of it and give him something more to work with to see how he can do. I think he'll, he'll do fine. And if he doesn't, as Dwayne said, it's uh you know, it, it's uh, really a, no great loss. You, you, you took a shot with somebody you knew uh, and uh, somebody brought in new ideas to an organization that's really gone stale. I really like the points you just made there, Andrew. I'll, I'll flip this to you, Dwayne, just because you obviously are following the Buffalo Sabres. They're not making the playoffs either, but they, at the very least on the onset of the year, from what we were seeing, at least the biggest example I can think of is that first meeting between the Canadians and the Sabres where the Canadians get absolutely trounced. But the Sabres, a team that no one gave any credit to, they fought. They fought pretty hard. Have you seen that a lot from this team, the quote-unquote dignified losing that Canadians fans want from this team out of your Buffalo Sabres? You see you see it. Uh, I, I'm not going to say the word consistently, but you see a lot more than you have in the last five years during the Jack Eichel era, and that's not a slut against Jack Eichel. Um you know, this team, this city was really kind of the moniker around us is blue collar. You know, we work nine to five. We spend our hard earned money to go to the games. You know, we want, we want you to show us that this, that you, you, you acknowledge us and how hard we work to be here and that you're going to in turn put that same effort out on the ice every night. And that's why we love those teams from the late nineties and two thousands so much, because it's like, they did that for us, you know, consistently. Whereas in the last, you know, eight years, it's just been non-existent ever since, you know, you know, doomsday losing Breer and jury the same day, signing Vanek to that massive deal and just 
everything just started you know go downhill and you know this year has been different Don Granado who's been very uh, much known for his ability to develop you see it in guys like Tage Thompson who you know 20 games in the season already eclipsed his career's career highs in points and goals and a guy who we essentially all wrote off a, a, a calendar year ago who you know was you know, a throw in for the Ryan O'Reilly deal who, you know, never lived up to the expectation. Now he is living up to the expectations. And, you know, Granado is the one who made, uh, moved him to center. You know, he, you see that line of uh, Tuck, um, Tuck Skinner and um, Tage. It's possibly the best line we've seen here in three, in like about three, four years. Honest wow. to God. And that's even with, you know, that's going back to Jack Eichel with Skinner and Reinhardt. And, you know, every single shift, they're out there, they're creating chances, they're causing havoc, and they just complement each other so well. But that just goes to show, like, the kind of like Granado effect that we've seen this year. You've seen the changes in Rasmus Dahlin's game, who was essentially neutered under Ralph Kruger. He was, man. Everything that was great about Dahlin coming out of the draft, we just didn't see it under Ralph it was terrible it was terrible to watch you know and he got an insane amount of criticism for it because you know we expect this first overall pick to you know be this Clydesdale and he wasn't uh for a year and a half and now you're starting to see that in in, in dolls and you know again another another guy too it was Casey Middlestat when he's healthy he's really finally developed into the 200 foot center you know that we wanted to see I think he's honestly got our best two-way center right now and that's you know, and that's not a slight against Tage Thompson, who's having a great year. But in terms of, you know, playing a great 200 foot game, it's Casey Middlestat. And uh, I, Don Granado and his ability to develop and be patient and just bring the best out. And, and I don't want to say the word mediocrity, but the bring, bring, bring the best out of his players. You know, that's the reason why we're so optimistic here in Buffalo. And, you know, this trade deadline, I'm not really sure what to expect because we've been dealing with a lot of injuries on those pieces you'd expect to deal at the deadline. So I'm not expecting a ton, but um, I just, uh, it's been, it's been fun to watch, man. Like it's, it's, I appreciate watching a team that really sells out on the ice almost every game because it's something I haven't been able to see for a very long time. I'll tell you what, like the way you're describing the Sabres, Andrew, you could tell me if I'm wrong. Canadians fans in a really weird way, should aspire to feel like what Dwayne feels yeah. with the Buffalo Sabres right now. Yeah. I, yeah. I said that before that, that I think the Sabres right. are a year or two ahead of where we need to be as a team uh, going forward. You do have that nice nucleus of forwards, young forwards. Uh, you have this uh, potential all-star defenseman, which the Canadians don't have a young, uh, a young defenseman like Darlene. Maybe they have it uh, in the system with Jordan Harris and Caden Gooley and, and, uh, even Logan Mayu, uh, if he uh, advances, uh, he's off to a good start. So you have you have potential there for the blue line, but you don't have it yet. And you'll just have a couple of young players on the Canadians. And again, that's the mission that I guess Jeff Gordon gave to Jeff. Uh, Jeff Molson gave to Jeff Gordon that who's given it to Ken Hughes to, you know, we have to figure out what we want to move forward with and who we want to get rid of. And uh, right now there's, I would say, six or seven players that played today that um, uh, will either be dealt at the deadline or won't be back next year, almost certainly. And there will probably be more, except that it's going to have a, a difficult time for management to, to move some of these guys, given the contracts that they have. Joel Armia, Yoel Armia, as you mentioned, is just one of them. Uh, Bergevin gave uh, one of his uh, favorites another big deal, a sweetheart deal, and it's not going to pay off. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. It, I, I would love to know, just taking a step back, 
what those conversations were like that we know Gordon and Hughes have had with these players, right? They said that they've tried to talk to all of them. Where do you see yourself? Do you want to stay? Do you want to go? Uh, if it's a year or two of a rebuild, are you going to be able to do it? Uh, I would love to have a sense of what those players said, like uh, Brendan Gallagher, for example, to me, he's going to be wasted here. I, I like him. He reminds me of Dustin Pedroia, though, of the Red Sox at the end. You know, he's got this fabled um, uh, love affair with the city and he's just not producing. But to me, Brendan Gallagher is wasted on a team that's going nowhere. The, the, the intensity that he has, the sort of playoff atmosphere that he brings to every uh, used to bring to every shift. He's not going to be able to replicate that when a team that has eight wins uh, as we're going into the middle of February. And that's going to be a very interesting conversation um, going forward. What happens to him? He may say he wants to stay around. He may think about it over the course of the summer. I just don't know. That's obviously a very big piece. But to me, he's emblematic of, of the problem and the challenges that management has right now. That's a very good point as well. I want to ask uh, a little bit more about the game, just to ensure we get both of us flowing in here. Speaking of flow, I don't know about you guys, but for, for different stretches of this game, there's a lot of long stretches with not too many whistles. Uh, on the Sportsnet broadcast, they were describing it as, as like pond hockey. Am I wrong in thinking this? They wanted to get to their Super Bowl parties. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask for your Honestly, Super Bowl predictions later. Yeah. I, 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 honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it, man. I, 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 I play beer league a lot. And you know, when you have those late night games, Russ, put the whistles away. So you get home. <laughs> I was last, uh, last week, man, I watched a guy get, you know, a hacksaw Jim Duggan at the, at the blue line, he just handed two handed, two handed in the, uh, in the ankles and the ref just like, Nope. <laughs> Good it was Lord. Game. He wants to go home. So I can see it. I can definitely see it. Russ just want to get to the Super Bowl parties for sure. I thought the, the, the play was choppy, right, for, for long stretches. Um, it was not nearly as entertaining a game as yesterday's game, the Canadians against Columbus, was. which I thought was, was um, really entertaining, one of the more entertaining games we've seen from the team all year. This game was not that. But I, I give credit to the Canadians uh, uh, offensively. The forwards were, were tough. Caulfield missed a couple of chances. Um, he is clearly energized by the, the coaching change. Suzuki, I thought, had a good game. Uh, up and down the line. Uh, Byron, as I mentioned, he finally got a point. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether he's able to sort of get back into gear a little bit and bring the things he used to bring to the team. Uh, but yeah, uh, listen, uh, I think these guys, they, they want to get showered. They want to get home. They want to get into the, you know, um, the, 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 uh, the dip uh, and uh, the chips and, uh, and watch those, uh, uh, you know, ads uh, at the beginning of the game. And, and we should be <laughs> thankful, actually, that it wasn't a long, drawn-out thing between these two teams. Thank God. Um, I'm just checking the chat line here. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you are able to, uh, you know, send us questions and, and chat with all of us. Someone asked, is that the Dwayne? I loved his radio rant. Yes, it is the Dwayne who went on Buffalo radio and ranted about Sabres yeah. management and yeah. using fake jerseys for, for some of their big players. Can, just break you away from the game for a second. Uh, I'm sure you've been asked about this 300 times, but can you please just tell us again about the rant? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I always talk about the rant. Um, so I've always been a guy who calls in on the radio, likes the voice. I like to talk about hockey, you know, that I made a lot of friendships that, over the years that way with complete strangers. 
And I was on my way to the gym and the night before or the night previous to that, I went to a, a game. And again, it, it, you couldn't even give away tickets for the Sabres this se- that season. It was, it was bad. And uh, I couldn't find anybody to go with me. And I'm like, I wanted to go. So I asked my sister to go. I'm like, you want to go to a hockey game? She's never been to a hockey game. Well, let's go. So she came with and she's you know, kind of ignorant as bliss, you know, like she doesn't know. She's watching. She, she looks exciting. So she's like, oh, she had a good time. But meanwhile, I was miserable the entire time watching us put up an egg against Ottawa. It was bad. And I was at the gym two nights later. I think it was two nights later. And I'm listening to the radio and I'm going down that, you know, the rabbit hole of negativity on Twitter, just reading all the comments. And I'm just like, geez, come on, man. And I, I you know, I, I knew what I was going to say before that. And then I'm like, they bring me in and I start talking. And at one point you hear my voice crack. I'm like, in my head, I, I, I kid you not. I go, you know what? Screw it. Go. <laughs> and I just lost it. <laughs> I lost it. And I, I've been a season ticket holder in some form or capacity for since that arena's opened, essentially. Either I had the tickets of my dad or my cousin. And, you know, to see what hockey has become in Buffalo, it really played into that because growing up, man, you couldn't drive down a couple streets without looking down a side street and seeing kids playing street hockey. Winter, summer, spring, fall, didn't matter. They were everywhere. And it's not like that here anymore. But this team and the success of this team, not even just success, just the excitement that they bring, whether win or lose, it played a big part in that. And it just been non-existent. And, you know, I've played hockey most of my life. I've coached for a lot. I coached for almost a decade and it's because of that team. It's because of that team and the way, how hard they used to play, how fun it used to be able to go to games. And it's just been, it was so depressing to watch that type of an effort coming out of an all-star break where you had a stretch of games against teams blowing the standings where you were legitimately at that time could have made a push for a wild card spot. And to show up with that type of effort was just depressing. I just lost my mind. And apparently, uh, and I'm not, I'm honest, I'm not afraid to talk about it anymore. <laughs> PSE, somebody a PSE, you know, went into the rate, called the radio station, you know, asked them to take the tweet with the phone call down. And once they took the tweet down, once they took the tweet down, that's when, you know, people realize like, why, where, where'd the phone call go? And it's like, they're censoring, they're censoring Sabres fans. And then it got even worse. Oh, and I, I, it got so much worse. And, like literally my phone just did not stop vibrating for like 48 hours. It was crazy. And, uh, I actually, that I, you know, I debuted like my first podcast I ever did was with Steve Dangle. <laughs> he asked me to come on, on Super I'm Bowl familiar Sunday. with that name. It was on Super Bowl Sunday, two Super Bowls ago. And I remember sitting there in my room, I was going to my Super Bowl party and Steve's like, Oh yeah, we'll bring you on. We'll bring you on. We'll bring you on. Like an hour and a half later, I'm on, I, I, you know, I finally get on and we just, you know, I had a great time and he's actually the one that convinced me to start a podcast and it's been fun ever since though. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, people seem to think that I struck a chord and that I, you know, I, I, I was willing to say what everybody was feeling and, you know, it caused a lot of, it was fun, man. Like, you know, people say, Oh, the, your 15 minutes of fame, whatever. It was fun. It was cool. You know, you know, to get talked about in that light and something I really care about. And I'm really passionate about as you can tell. And just, it was, it was cool. And, uh, I've had fun doing the podcast ever since. And yeah, it's, uh, gotten slightly better. You know, I, it's, hard to, <laughs> it's hard to say better. It's hard to say better after you just got done trading Sam Reinhardt and Jack Eichel, but it's gotten slightly better. Um, I love Alex Tuck. I love Alex Tuck. Like he Canadians drafted his brother. His younger brother. They did Luke Tuck. 
Yeah. Luke Tuck is in the Canadians organization. Yes. Yeah. You want, you want to bring him over to Buffalo anytime. It'd be great. Uh, <laughs> but just because of that attitude though, that attitude Alex has, I want like, that's what we need. And, and this isn't a slight against Jack Eichel. Listen, Jack Eichel was put in a situation uh, with, I'm not going to say bad ownership. I, I mean, I probably should, but I'm not going to say bad ownership, but a, a lot of mismanagement from ownership, you know, a lot of bad decisions. The guy had six head coaches while he was here. Six. You did. You know, people are criticizing McDavid, you know, asking if McDavid's a problem, which I think is bananas. Um, but he's on his fourth head coach now. And, you know, it's how can you expect a guy with that type of turnover at GM Four G. You, Kevin Adams was his fourth GM, I think, I believe, and um, six head Adams Botterill. Uh, I'm trying to remember who the other GM it was. His first GM was Tim Murray. Then Tim Murray, Botterill. yes, he's the one who drafted him. Yes, then Botterill. Tim Murray, okay, then okay, Botterill. Okay, so, so, so the third, third GM, then right? Because Kevin Adams. Okay, I'm trying to remember yeah, myself, sorry, but you're right. Three. Tim Murray is the one who drafted Echo. Yes, three GMs in a, in a set, that short amount of time. That, that's a lot of turnover in two very important positions in your in organization. Not to mention, you don't have a real president of hockey operations. The owner's wife is the president of the hockey operations, and oh, wow. this isn't a slight against her. But like, you didn't do. You have zero. You had about as much experience running a hockey team as St. Louis had had coaching coaching hockey. You know what I mean? Like, I just, it's, it's very, very, it's very frustrating. And to see the kind of the criticism he used to get, um, sometimes warranted, most of the time unwarranted, but he wasn't ready to shoulder that responsibility. He just wasn't. And, you know, he was the guy who was made captain and, you know, I don't think he was ready for that. I'm not saying he was a bad leader, but I don't think he was ready to shoulder all that, to shoulder this rebuild, another rebuild. And, you know, you bring in a guy like Alex Tuck who show, you know, cheek to cheek, smiling, getting traded from Vegas to Buffalo. Who smiles getting traded from Vegas to Buffalo? Alex Tuck. He's the future captain of the Buffalo Sabres. 100%. Anyone else is a mistake in my opinion. And, um, I mean, honestly, anyone wants to buy an Alex Tuck jersey with the C on it now, you might as well because it's a, it, you know, it's a good it's investment. investment. Honest to God, like, is, who do you, how could you name anyone else captain? And who would have expected him to come and play as well? He's a point of game player right now, you know, and, and just you see the energy he brings every shift, how he talks about the organization off the ice. And like I tweeted it out, I think two, a couple days ago, I said, Alex Tuck, and this is not a slight against Jack Eichel, Alex Tuck could single-handedly save this franchise. And I, not on, not just on the ice, in the locker room and in this community. This community has been suffering for a long time to the point where, you know, again, you don't see all those things I used to see growing up. You know, you don't see the fan engagement. Uh, we, have, we have one of the worst in-game experiences in the league, and it's hard to believe considering the city we are and how much we love hockey. But it is terrible, man. It is so bad. Perspective is, is very much everything. Yes. Andrew, um, I'll add this. Uh, as we've been talking, uh, Ben Sherrod officially announced out for just one week. He was placed on injury reserve before the game started, uh, but he will be out for at least a week with a lower body injury. Andrew, I want to get you in on here. One last question, then I'll ask you both for your Super Bowl predictions. Uh, we were talking about Sherrod. We're talking about pieces that are going to get offloaded. And you can think of about six or seven guys who they may be gone by deadline day. Um, who are you ready as a who are you ready to say goodbye to on the Montreal Canadiens ahead of the trade deadline? Who am I not ready to say goodbye to? Uh, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not ready to say goodbye to Caulfield. 
Although if you could get a, a big center for him, who's young, I would think about it. I'm not ready to get rid of Suzuki. I'm not ready to uh, uh, get rid of Anderson, who I think is still has some good years ahead of him on a, on a contract that um, it may look a little bit dicey. Uh, I'm not willing to get rid of Romanov, who I think is going to be a third and fourth uh, defenseman for, for many years to come. Otherwise, I mean, carry price is what carry price is. Um, you could, you're looking at trading Sherratt and Petrie and Kulak maybe on the blue line, which would be no a big deal to me. You're looking at uh, dealing uh, the rest of the players, it seems to me. Maybe Paling, I think you keep. Uh, I, I like Evans, who's cost-effective. So you, you do have a, a nucleus of five or six young forwards, but the rest can go as far as I'm concerned. I just want to say one thing be, to, to respond to Dwayne. The first half, I'm, I'm in my mid-50s. The first half of my life, the Canadians won 11 Stanley Cups. And in the last half of second half of my life so far, they've won zero. So even though hockey and Montreal are synonymous, uh, I have to believe that Jeff Molson was concerned enough that this is a pattern now, uh, three decades in the making. Uh, and that's why he made the move with Bergevin. And to me, one of the blessings of this season for this organization is that there aren't fans in the building right now. If there had been fans in the building um, when they lost to the Devils seven to one, uh, it would have been ugly. And and I have not seen ugly in a long time in, in Montreal uh, with respect to the Canadians. The other thing I just want to say: uh, twenty years ago, this team should play like the team that was awful that had Yuha Lin and Craig Darby and little Oleg Petrov on his second incarnation with the team. They had no <laughs> talent on that team, right? They yeah. had very- Stefan Quintal was the best defenseman 20 years ago, nine, you know, 99, 2000 and around then. But man, they competed Trent McCleary before he got hurt cut in throat on, yeah, the, uh, on the the Super, Bowl, Super Bowl weekend. Um, you know, that team competed every day and, and it was a pleasure to watch. And you knew they had no chance and you knew they weren't going to make the playoffs. That is what this team could be more talented. Um, and if that's the way it's going to be for the next 35 games, I'm okay with it. They're obviously going to get a high draft pick. And to me, the excitement is who's going to be shipped out, what assets are going to be brought back and how creative this team can be, this management team in fixing what is clearly a really bad problem. Gentlemen, uh, before I let you both go, it is of course, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals will play against the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi stadium in Los Angeles. A prediction. From either of you, Dwayne, I'm, I'm sorry. I know the, the Bills really, they were within seconds. 13, 13 seconds of glory. I didn't mean to, seconds, to, to. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, fine. man. Fine. You had the squib kick. I don't understand, Dwayne. Why not, even, <laughs> not even talk about that. You think Alex Beck would have squib kicked? I think so. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say this right here. You know, a lot, a lot of criticism about not squib kicking. You know that came into play. I don't know how much of a how much of a difference squib the squib kick would have made. What would have made a difference is if you weren't playing a prevent defense with 13 seconds left, like That's and true. pretending and pretending like Kansas City or Kansas State didn't have all of their timeouts left, or at least two of their timeouts left. I remember they had all three of their timeouts left. Travis Kelsey was like, or throw me the ball, like. Because you're not protecting the sidelines at that point. They have their timeouts. You know, play play normal defense. You know, rush the quarterback. Just take away the middle. Of that it, that that coaching not coaching lost in that game. Not 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 a squib kick, man. This, you know, all you got to do is stop them for 13 seconds. And honest to God, I believe it's the Bills in the Super Bowl right now. And this city is. It's not. It's it's the Bengals and and the Rams. Know, you got to give us a I prediction. Know. I know my prediction though is. 
my heart says Cincinnati, but I think logic says the Rams for me. I, I, I think it's Matt Stafford's time. The guy has been grinding his entire career to get to this point. That team is so good on both sides of the ball. I mean, you can imagine like they, they started the season. They, they started the season with the team they had, and then they got OBJ and Von Miller. Like it's, yep. That team is so good, and I, I, I think that this is their year. Um, I, you know, it couldn't have happened to a better guy for Matt Stafford. I'm, at, you know, not that they've won anything yet, but and plus, I don't know if I'm ready to see Joe Burrow win a Super Bowl yet before Josh Allen. So I, uh, I, I and, and let me hold this, man. Josh Allen has become kind of like the baby face of the NH of the NFL. He guy, the guy is a superstar now, man. Everybody loves him. Yeah, Alex Tucker football. Yeah, let's talk about You did an interview for the Athletic uh, on one of their hockey podcasts, uh, where I think he he actually got to talk to to Josh Allen, Alex Tuck, and kind of learn about Buffalo and all that. So uh, the, there's at least some some kinship between those two gentlemen. Yep. I uh, think Andrew, I, go I, ahead. Yeah, I think Dwayne's right. I, my my heart is also with Cincinnati. They've been so bad for so long, um, but I like Matt Stafford, and I'd like to see him. Um, uh, win something. This is one of those rare Super Bowls where I don't actively hate one of the teams uh, and will be happy no matter who wins. I just hope it's a better game than the one we saw uh, at the Bell Center. That's I, uh, a very good point. I, 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 here's the thing. It's been, it's just seems, feels like, you know, I know they, they weren't in thought, but it feels like such a long time since we've, you know, not seen Tom Brady, at least in like a conference championship game or the Super Bowl. Like I'm going to give, you know, as much as I hated playing that guy, in the north and uh in the afc east you know how about like th- that guy is the greatest ever to do it like just like I-, I i came to that conclusion a long time ago like there's no denying anymore you can talk about all the cheating scandals and stuff but i am so happy that guy is finally out of the nfl like <laughs> finally gone man like finally see you later tom you know I don't know if it was his own decision or if Giselle is just like listen dude like it's gotta end at some point like I just I respect him so much, man. The guy is the ultimate competitor. If you're gonna build a football player, the only thing you got to get from Tom Brady is the compete level and the willingness to win. That's you don't need anything else from Tom Brady, just that. And that's what won him seven Super Bowls is just that that willingness to want it more than everybody else. And I really do think we have that in Josh Allen. I do. I did not. I did not expect uh, the end of uh, Game Over Montreal to turn into a love fest for Tom Brady, but that's the break side guest. Okay. All right. You get you heaped up a lot of praise on Tom Brady for a Buffalo Bills fan. Yeah, how can you exactly. deny it? How can you deny it? Like it, it's just it, you know I'm like, not gonna I, deny it either, but I'm not gonna be out here being all like, <laughs> you know, doing the way that you did it. Uh gentlemen, thank you both so much for hanging out with me on this Sunday afternoon. Uh Dwayne is the host of the Two Goalies One Mike podcast. I believe you could probably get that podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Am I correct? YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Uh, at two goals on Mike, or you can just follow me at, at Dwayne S 39. Uh, that's where you pretty much find all our stuff. So yeah, that, that works out very well. And uh, Andrew Cohen as well. Uh, I literally had your, your info okay. right in front of I me and no I completely. Be- <laughs> I, no I was thinking about I, Tom Brady. I, my, no, son, I was my, not. Son's favorite, my son's favorite player is Tom Brady. So my son is very sad that he retired. I, I, agnostic about tom brady because even though he's unhappy <laughs> for 20 years i i usually was rooting against him so you ever see that, that kid was... that kid at all the boston parades that always hold the sign the amount of parades he's been to over the yeah. course of his life i hate that kid 
so much. There are funny enough, there are Canadians fans uh, who could probably say something similar to that effect. Andrew Cohen is the senior editor of the Marshall Project and a fellow at the Brennan Center. You may have come across his work in the Atlantic or for CBS. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you both so much for hanging out with me on Sunday. Uh, Enjoy your Super Bowl Sundays. Uh, whether you're having a party or just doing solo with your family, whatever you want to do, just, of course, be responsible. And thank you all uh, watching on YouTube or listening wherever you listen to podcasts uh, for listening to my voice for these last two days on the Montreal Canadiens. Five, three losers against the Buffalo Sabres on Sunday, Uh, but at least they showed a little bit more fight with Martin St. Louis head coach, as opposed to what we've seen uh, previously. That being said, the Canadians, and we actually didn't mention this at all, are on a 10-game winless streak. It's, it's not... Hey, at least not good. 18. Maybe. Buffalo pulled off 18 last year, so... Uh, I'll tell you this. The Canadians look bad yeah. enough. They could they yeah. could go to 18. Yeah, yeah it's in play. <laughs> it's in play. <laughs> it's very much in play. Um, for fire two for until 12, and then I think Granado had five of the last six, though, so... At least. Uh, for Andrew, I'm... Dw- for, I almost call myself Dwayne. For Andrew and Dwayne, I'm Julian Sink. So long and peace. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. We'll be back uh, later uh, this week with a brand new episode of Game Over. And uh, Andrew Berkshire should be able to take over for me. Uh, and I'll go back to uh, hosting the Chris Johnston show. Brand new episode comes out tomorrow. So after Great the show. Super Bowl madness. Great show. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate that. That was really kind of